0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things I really like about our church is the way it teaches us to align our lives around seasons. And by coming to worship, we become immersed in this life cycle. The season of Lent leads us to the cross and the empty tomb of Easter. Then we have Pentecost. We just finished Advent, and then we had Christmas, and it's the stories that make the seasons. And allows our lives then to revolve around the life of Jesus. This helps us to stop and see this life isn't supposed to revolve around ourselves. And Today we enter into the Epiphany season, a time where we will see Jesus baptized, presented at the temple, and spend time hearing his teachings and reveling at his healings. The season of Epiphany in our church celebrates how Jesus, the light of the world, has come to bring us hope and purpose. How we haven't been left in the dark on our own trying to figure it out, but rather Jesus has come shining his light on our lives. And as we are called to follow him, we experience real abundant life and change. And for our sermon series, we are calling that AHA moments. When you get struck with a life-changing realization which changes everything that follows, you say, Excellent. In the Saturday night, they yelled, And it was like, we got to make this slide. It was all panicky. (laughs) Just kidding, Saturday-nighters out there. Sometimes you discover this for the first time. Sometimes it's always been there right in front of you. You just haven't seen it yet. But when you do, aha. And our scripture readings today identified one of the things His light, Jesus' light, shines on. One of the ahas, one of the life-changing realizations, was that the gospel is for all. It's what Paul speaks about as a mystery revealed. It's what Isaiah prophesied all those years ago. The gospel is for all. And then we get this fascinating story to go along with it in Matthew. Now, I know when we read this story, we like to think about the wise men. Who were they? What did they do? How did they come about? Were they from Babylon? Maybe they were descendants of those who were listening when Daniel was there and they've just been waiting. We don't know. Really, this story in Matthew is one that is surrounded in mystery for the specifics on how and who. Especially if you think about the star. Efforts have been made to figure out what it was, this star, by searching ancient records, looking at astronomical tables. Noted astronomers have tried to determine something about this star, but to no avail. Was it a comet? Was it a meteor? A constellation? But nothing definite has been determined beyond what the text has, the magi themselves calling it, which was a star. We've been following a star. And what we can say about this star, it is not a star such as others astronomers would look up and see in the night sky. This star appeared, and then it vanished, and then finally it reappeared and moved on before the Magi and stood above the child in Bethlehem. No star such as we know could behave in this manner. And what these Magi saw was a startling phenomenon. Shining brightly like a star, but so low in the heavens that it could stand above a house and indicate exactly which one it was amongst all the houses in the neighborhood. How high it was when it was first seen, how low it sank when it guided the magi to Joseph's home, none of that is stated in the text. And so no wonder astronomers have been puzzled by this. Because this star is a miraculous phenomenon revealed to these magi by God in order to lead them to Jesus. It's purpose first to start them on their journey and then to guide them to the child. The mystery surrounds the what and the how. But the why is very clear. They came to see the one who was born king of the Jews. This is a title that Jesus receives at his birth, and it's a title that he will get also at his death. And what did the wise men, the magi, do when they got there? Well, usually we remember that they brought gifts. They brought frankincense, gold, and? Very good. Very good. All expensive gifts, all gifts that perhaps represent him as prophet, priest, and king. I bet we could spend a lot of time trying to figure out that and explain it all away. But with your permission, I would like to draw you to something else. To the why they came. The reason. To what they did first. And in the text, they speak to as the why they are there. It's there in verse 2 and then also again in verse 11. They came to worship. They came to worship Christ the King. You can call them wise men, magi, call them kings, call them whatever. They came together, maybe three, maybe more, and fell before the Lord and worshipped Him. It's why they came. They came to worship Jesus. And it's why we have this time set aside on Sundays to come together and worship. And I find myself thinking, what does it really mean to worship? To say that, Lord, you are worthy, that you are God, to show admiration, reverence, and honor. Because worship has to become something that's more than just coming to church and hoping that I get something out of it. The worship is the praising, the speaking, the praying, the offering, the listening, and then the leaving and responding. We come to church, not for what we can get out of it, as if worship was something for us. Worship is for Him. And we align our hearts as one and are overcome with this feeling to cry out, the feeling that Isaiah described, like a heart that was throbbing and swelling with joy. We have a need to have the light of Christ shine on our hearts so that we can be in fellowship with Him and be in fellowship one with another to ask for forgiveness, to be given the power to change. And when the hymns are sung, whether we're belting it out, whispering it, or simply reading it, this is our worship. When the choir sings, as it's as if angels were praising, and we get a glimpse of what heaven will look like and sound like. When the creed is spoken, we confess that this is what we believe, and we will die before we turn away from it. We speak the words of confession because we believe them. We believe that we are broken. And we receive the forgiveness of sins because it was what Jesus Himself has promised to us and won for us. And we align our hearts as one and pray because that is what the people of God have been doing since the very beginning. Gathering together to pray. The book of James talks about when we pray, we're in the presence of God, how the prayers of the righteous one are powerful. Probably the most important thing we do, minus the sacraments, is the prayers for the church. When we utter, hear our prayer, we are not just going through the motions, we are asking God himself to hear what it is that we have brought before him, calling out for healing, deliverance, thanksgiving, redemption. We listen to the public reading of scriptures because we need the authority that the scriptures alone bring into our lives. We need to hear the scriptures because they remind us of the truth. We hear the scriptures because they are the words of the one we worship for us. And we follow this, we worship like this. We come together over a lifetime of obedience to and worshiping Jesus. And to me, this was the aha moment. That worship is for Him and not for me. And this changes the way we come to worship. It reorientates our thinking on the importance of worship. It changes the way we look at the hymns and the liturgy. It brings renewed meaning to the prayers and the public reading of Scripture. And it makes us long for the sacraments. We begin to desire this time above other things. To come to Jesus and worship Him, to praise Him, to pray to Him, to offer what we have. Worship is about Him. Unless we forget, worship is more than just what happens on Sunday. We worship Him with our very lives. The continued worship is a response to what He has done. The rest of the worship can be summed up in one word love. For in our story today, Jesus may have been the one who received the gifts, and even today we bring him ours, but our king, Jesus, gives us gifts to share with others and gives us what we need to face the worries and struggles of this world. He enables us to respond by giving us what we need. This can't be underestimated. Your God has promised to give you exactly what you need to be able to do what He has called you to do. It's why in the face of illness, whether it's physical or mental, we have hope. For our hope is not just in a a cure, but is in the victory of our Lord and His presence to be with us, promised to walk with us, to hold us, to be there. And that is the truth that we hold to even when the lies come, that His peace is our fight against a mind and body that is at war with brokenness, that His promise is rest, that we rest, relax in His peace. And it's why when this world wages, war and uncertainty reigns, we remained unchanged and confident that our shepherd king watches over us, that He fills us with courage to take heart, not to give in to despair and that he gives us the gifts and the abilities and the opportunities to help others. This 2020 year at St. John's can be a life-changing year for us and for others, the ones we serve. Each of us can be involved in helping our community, in serving our church and looking beyond ourselves whether we volunteer, give, pray, visit, or do all of the above, our ministry to the vulnerable children here in our community and through our missions programs needs you. I'm not up here asking and hoping that you will volunteer. I am telling you that you are needed. Opening your home to guests so that others can gather around the Word of God and that together we can grow in faith is needed. Feeding those who lack food is needed. Sitting with those who are alone and confined to their homes is needed. Visiting the developmentally disabled adults and sitting with them and leading them in devotion and singing songs of praise with them is needed. Coming alongside a child and teaching them the way of faith And passing down what we have been given is needed. I ask you, where is the light leading you to join and to serve this year? For we believe that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness will not overcome it. That even if this world is filled with thick darkness, the light of Christ will shine. And we will bring it. We will live in this light. And this light of Jesus will guide us, will mold us, and will empower us. For the light that led the Magi to the Christ child is just as bright today as it was then. And we gather and worship to give thanks to God who has made this possible in Jesus. And we gather to pray, Lord, fill us with your light. Send us where you will.